0: to the Human Capital Innovations podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Chun Chun Yo about leadership agility for personal and organizational development and growth. Chun Chun Yo, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations podcast.
1: Hi Jonathan, happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Uh, It's exciting to have um, someone of your background and expertise willing to to come on and talk about a topic as uh, important as agile leadership, uh, which is your area of expertise and will be the main area for our discussion today. And you reside in Singapore, is that right? Yes,
1: yes, yes. Have you been to Singapore?
0: I have never been to Singapore. Uh, I've been to that part of the world a lot. I. Lived for uh, about three years in South Korea. I've, I've traveled to China maybe six times for work. Um, I stayed in Jakarta and worked for a while. Um, so I've, I've been in that part of the world quite a bit, but I've never been to Singapore.
1: Mm, come visit someday and I'll show you around.
0: Wonderful. Yeah, I would love that. I, I love to travel and I love to see different places, for sure. Uh, to start things off today, I just wanted to share with my listeners a, uh, a brief bio Chen Chen Yo is a multi-award winning executive coach who raises the quality of leadership in every organization by developing agility. Honored with accolades and praise for her outstanding work over the years, she was named woman super achiever and one of the top 101 global coaching leaders at the 28th World HRD Congress. She is a professional certified coach, a John Maxwell coach, Marshall Goldsmith executive coach, agile certified coach, and conscious business coach. She works with business executives, enabling leadership development and organizations, and excels at organizational mindset shifts and creating learning solutions for companies around the globe. Her clients hail from more than 30 countries and and are mostly from Fortune 500 companies. A satisfied client has described the coaching experience with her as transformational and life-changing. Some even said it is the only program leaders need to do. Trin Chen has also authored a book, Eight Paradoxes of Leadership Agility, a collection of stories of transformations using a four-step coaching model she has developed. She believes the agility mindset is the key to enabling deep and effective transformations in organizations and wanted to write a book which is useful and immediately implementable. Her book was recently rated five stars by Reader's Favorite. The four-step coaching model presents an easy pathway which shifts mindsets for leaders to make the quantum leap. Uh, What a great background. Uh, I'm excited to talk about your book and talk about leadership agility. Uh, Anything else you would like to add as we get started today?
1: Mm, I really enjoy this line of work that I'm in. My personal journey through it, I think a lot of it was finding out what my strengths were and finding out which were the areas where I can create the largest impact. So I think it's really a mission to raise the quality of leadership in All organizations at every level because I truly believe that there is that ripple effect. So right now I think I'm really living my dream. Every time I connect with a client from a different part of the world, right now it's more than 30 countries and I think gonna exceed 40 quite soon. I I feel so blessed and privileged to be able to partner them in their personal development journey.
0: Uh, That's that's awesome. And I love your reach across the globe, uh, nearly 40 countries, that's amazing. And the way you frame it as their personal development journey, I think that's absolutely right. I think we're all on that journey. We're all um, learning, we're all growing, and none of us have it all figured out. Um, it's not about having it all figured out. It's, a, it's about um, being reflective and, and mindful and taking the ne- time necessary to carefully consider where we're at, where we're going, and how we can better um, develop ourselves and our people and lead our organizations.
1: Yeah, exactly true. You know, one of my greatest, the greatest influencer in my whole personal journey, personal development journey was uh, Dr. John Maxwell. And he's one of those person who I always bring up when I have my sessions with clients. And one of the sentences, one of the phrases that he said, which really resonates with me, You cannot give what you do not have. So the inner work, personal development is really important for leaders who especially want to continue to do well right now. I think pre- or post-COVID, things will be very different. And with five or maybe in a couple of years, six generations in the workplace, there's a lot of diversity involved. So that piece is really important to work on yourself
0: absolutely absolutely uh so your niche is agile leadership can you describe for our leader for our listeners a a little bit about what that means in a nutshell and then we can start to dive in and explore that a little bit more specifically
1: sure sure so i came across this when i started working with a lot of um, tech companies that were going through agile transformations and i realized that it's it, from my understanding, in a nutshell, a lot of changes. We are changing the ways of working, and as I attended one of the courses, you know, to learn more about it to become my agile certified coach, and the trainer emphasized a lot that agile is the mindset. We don't do agile. We don't just check the tick the check boxes and do agile. We must be agile. And what does being agile mean? It's the mindset. And I realized that, you know, uh, across my, from my professional background, I find that this is always quite true. Why is it that when we have new initiatives, why why do they fail? How come we are not able to reap maximum rewards from, you know, embracing a certain new methodology? And a lot of times because people are trapped in the doing, that if I do this, I meet all the criteria, then I will be this type of organization or this type of person. And in leadership development, it is the same. If we only focus on doing and we forget about the being, which then begins from the mindset, then it's very unlikely that we will be able to get rewards You know, from any very expensive or extensive so-called transformation that we are in right now. So when you talk about leadership agility, a lot of it, most of it starts from the mindset, the agile mindset. What does it mean to be agile? What does it mean to lead in the VUCA world? What does VUCA even mean to us? And right now with the pandemic happening, the future of work has changed. The office of the future has changed. What about all the different business lines? You know, What about our business continuity? Or even how we define what work and success should look like. So a lot of this um, agile leadership talks about when there, are un- when there are complexities and uncertainties, are we able to face it with that sense of authenticity and ease? And that's exactly the definition that I used in my book. And one look, maybe the definition looks very simple. And I think I've written a book exactly, precisely in that way. To make it simple, And with enough breath for people to explore and define leadership agility for themselves. Through all these years of working with diverse clients, I have also appreciated that it is not so important what I think agility means. It's much more important that my clients define leadership agility for themselves. So right now, the book has been out uh, uh, just a couple of weeks. And I've gotten really good feedback from industry leaders who are able to take this definition of leadership agility and redefine it for themselves in their own business areas. And that's exactly the the the, the intention I wanted to achieve.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. And congratulations on the book. Uh, that's a huge endeavor. I know how much work that is. Uh, Some congratulations, and I wish you the best success with that. Uh, I like how you talk about. It's suiting that you talk about um, agility mindset, and that you have to be flexible enough for people to define that mindset for themselves, right? And it's not about doing agility. it's about uh, being and thinking agility. I love that. Um, what What do you find is like the biggest thing holding people back from the agile mindset? Uh, why uh, there's lots of benefits of it that research has shown, um, you know the, the value of it. so, Why do people resist, and what are the roadblocks keeping people from from having an agile mindset? Mm,
1: I I think first thing is that we have inevitably been shaped into certain types of being. Uh, I think a lot of people feel the compulsion to uh, pack our timetables full. You know, pack it to the brim uh, because perhaps we associate being busy with being successful and useful. You know, if I'm idling, if I'm sitting idle that day, then I don't feel very productive nor very important, you know. So there could be underlying um, belief there. Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm hypothesizing, but this is what I'm seeing across, uh, across the board. When I work with so many people, those who are unable to create the transformation and have their mindset shift in themselves they are usually the ones who are way too busy they they said they don't even have time to sit down and think about things you know and you know this is time is a currency that everyone has equally the rich man the poor man the healthy and the not so healthy right so Uh, There's no discrimination in that. And if we don't leverage our time and hence our attention to reflect, I think reflecting is an essential activity that all leaders must uh, take part in. And if we don't free up time for ourselves to even just contract back inwards and reflect, you know, what have I done today? I was making myself so busy, you know, but what, what, what were the costs? What have I lost or gained in that process? Are there other are signals or feedback that are present right now that's informing me that I need to make some changes? And a lot of times, these changes are not even huge ones, it's just a subtle shift, and you can very quickly find a leverage point and increase your ROI tremendously. So, I think this is being very busy is probably one of the reasons why people don't embrace the change. I think another gap that I was seeing is um, sometimes all these things, they reside in our knowledge repository. We know these things. But how many times do we know these things but we don't do these things? Right? So knowing and doing are completely different parts of the learning cycle, even for adults. I think for, for young people, it's the same. For adults, it's the same. To transfer your learning from the knowing to the doing, it requires different types of activities. And probably reflection will be one of those that is very important. So it, there's this vicious cycle that is happening, not allowing people to have that time to themselves to even just survey and have the unbiased, courageous survey of what's really happening in their lives. You know? So I think busyness is one of the greatest enemy. Uh, resistance to change. Sometimes the change feels so tough. How, how do I transfer this knowledge? You know, sometimes it's more than once that I read books or attend workshops that I think, yeah, okay, these are all great facts. So what do I do about it? And I, yeah. I find that there's a gap, right? It's like in, in between that transference is not happening. So I know we are both coaches and uh, I'm a huge advocate of professional coaching and all. And I think coaching is probably one of the best way or, or you know, even even if it is in group, you get a transference really high and is a much more worthy uh, investment of your time and effort.
0: Yeah, you said so many great things there. I I, I agree. I think we get so hurried, we get so busy. We don't give ourselves time to slow down, to be mindful of our current situation, to really think and process and reflect. Um, It's hard to learn and grow if we're not giving ourselves that opportunity to decompress a little bit, to take a step back, to see the forest from the trees and actually uh, have a sense of what we're doing and how it connects with everything else. Um, And I think so many leaders find themselves in that trap because they're so hectic, so busy running around trying to do all the things that have to get done. They have all this urgency. Um, They feel all this pressure and and they forget that being a leader is not about checking things off and getting tasks done. It's about having a strategic vision, communicating that strategic vision, empowering your people um, so they can get the work done, right? Um, that's that's what it's really all about. That's a really hard mindset for some people to, to latch onto, and they feel like you, you said it well. They feel like if they're sitting quietly, you know, in a room by themselves, contemplating, that they're wasting time. Well, it's not wasting time. I, you know, some of my best insights, some of my best innovative thinking, some of my best strategic thinking happens when I'm just quiet. My when I quiet my mind. Um, give myself a chance to process. Sometimes that happens when I'm sitting by myself um, thinking. Sometimes it's when I'm walking my dogs around the park. Um, but you know, I just have to give myself those opportunities. Otherwise, uh, I'm going to miss out on so much of the potential that I have. And I think a lot of leaders miss out on their own potential.
1: Yeah, Yeah, you're exactly right. It's those moments of genius where we actually, we have activated our subconscious mind. And that brain that brain frequency just won't change until you give yourself time to decompress.
0: I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press: The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. I'm excited to share my insights with you. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, so that's wonderful. I, I, I think, um, Leading with agility, having agility in our approach is is super important. Um, You talk about that in your book and you talk about your own coaching model. Um, Can you spend a little bit of time describing that model for us so we can have a better sense of of the components and then listeners can then uh, see how they might be able to take that and run with it?
1: Sure, sure. So the coaching model has four steps and I... Name it the RE4 coaching model. RE as in R-E, 4. RE4 coaching model. And because each step begins with the re-doing something, you know. And it's simple, at the same time robust. So this is one of those seemingly simple, but it's going to solve a lot of people's problems and create their mindset shift and really anchor it and create some motivation so that people rebuild their capabilities and, and the skills, or even fill in the knowledge gaps and really create the outcomes that they, are, that they desire. So step one of this um, model says reconstruct the map. And why we say the map? I'm sure many of us have heard of this saying, the map is not the territory. Right? The map is written, is created by map makers who see the territory and through the perception creates a map for the rest of the world to see. So there is already a filter there. So reconstructing the map allows people to have that unbiased, courageous reality check. Because many times, things are actually not working. And when clients come to the session, to me, I'm just so curious. They know that it's not going to work. Whatever they're doing is not working anymore. They've got lots of feedback From various sources, you can see the pattern occurring in different parts of their lives. But yeah, they stubbornly continue to want to perform the same action with the same type of belief. So, reconstructing the map is critical. for, And I think courage is really a big thing. Um, Perhaps it has a bit to do with letting go of the ego. Because when we recognize truths for what they really are, we will find that we the truths are likely very different from how we initially perceive them. And and that one to really look at the truth, look at the reality straight in the eye and say that, oh, wow, this is not working anymore. I think that is really one major step forward. And that then leads to the second step, refresh the lens. So refresh the lens talks about weeding out and uncovering biases, prejudices. Or this very dangerous over-generalized rules. I think a lot of us in our childhood we actually form overgeneralized rules accidentally. You know how sometimes just one experience and perhaps it, it wasn't even intentional. The learning was accidental, and we carry that those rules with us into our adulthood, and no one helped us to undo them, right? Or even realize that it's not working. So this, this step is crucial too because it helps us read out all these things that are no longer effective and leads to that internal shift of mindset. Then the third one is where the turning I, point really so, happens. Sorry, yes. can I
0: ask you about that one real quick?
1: Sure.
0: <laughs> yes. Excuse me. Um, I, I, I agree. I think that's really important. And I think in our world of, of human resource development, organizational development, leadership, we see way too much uh, overgeneralization. Uh, we take these models that have been presented, you know, somewhere in some part of the world, and we say, this, this is the answer, and then we try to replicate it everywhere across the world, and we overgeneralize the impacts that it can have, and what we then find is that, in fact, uh, it's, it's not gen- as generalizable. Like, it's not, it doesn't apply equally across all different contexts. So context matters and we have to pay attention to the circumstances that that organizations and leaders find themselves in and the dynamics, the, the people dynamics that happen um, that are unique within each organization. I, so I'm curious, you, you've worked with um, clients in close to 40 countries. So you've seen a wide range of contexts as you've worked with people. Um, do you see any any of these types of kind of stereotype overgeneralization uh, principles that get that so many leaders just tend to have but they're false have you come across that as you've done your work
1: yeah yeah for sure I think time is the most common one you know how in our childhood if we are sitting there idle we probably get scolded by our parents or by our teachers no why are you doing nothing it sounds like doing nothing is a bad thing right Go do your work, you know, go do something productive. So then we are we have already associated doing work is productive. And that's the only thing that's productive. So I, I think that's probably why we see a lot of leaders becoming overly busy. They're packing everything in. They can't let go. They can't delegate because, oh, this is such a key piece of my business. You know, the stakes are so high. I've got to do it. Myself, you know, this is my baby. I can't let it go. So that's that's one. And it affects even how we appraise our employees when we become leaders. If we see our employees sitting there seemingly idle, then we think, oh, this person is too free. I'm not stretching them enough. Right? And I have, I mean, unfortunately, sometimes I still hear clients say their managers expect them to work overtime. So that's that culture. And no one dares to leave before the line manager goes home. So it becomes that, uh, I, okay, maybe toxic is too strong a word, but it feels very oppressive to, to me. It's like, oh wow, meanwhile, can, I, can I breathe? Can I go to the bathroom? <laughs> if I have to, would my manager think that I am I'm skiving? And also this perception that only when yeah. you are very busy, that like you got to act busy. Yeah.
0: You know,
1: I, I'm busy. I, That's a joke, right? I got to act. I'm busy acting busy. But yeah,
0: why? Ex- exactly. Yeah, I worked, I worked um, in the organizational development office at LG Electronics in South Korea. Um, and I was the only um, non-Korean person there in the office. Um, And I picked up the language, at least at the time, I was pretty good at the language. Um, This was 20 years ago. Um, I was pretty good at the language. And and so I'm I'm the only non-Korean guy amidst this this language and culture and this people that I love. And their their work ethic and their work culture is very, very different. Um, And it's, it's very much a culture of you show up early in the morning, you stay late at night, um, and then you socialize, you know, you go to a karaoke bar or something like that at the end of, of the evening uh, and you do that every single night. And, if you're, it, and it doesn't matter if you have work to do or not, you don't leave before the boss leaves ever. Um, it's a big faux pas to, to do that. And I remember um, understanding that, but struggling with that and just feeling like, why why am I wasting so much trying, time just trying to act busy when I don't actually have things to do right now Um, i and i'm not i don't want to single out korean culture i I think there are many cultures that kind of have that approach and that mindset Um, but it but it illustrates what you're talking about that we that we need to be careful that we don't that we don't uh elevate busyness as the answer as the as the uh key to um solving all of our problems in fact it can do the opposite because often it can lead to burnout. It can lead to a lack of creativity and innovation because we're just going through the motions. We're not actually taking the time to be more creative and and come up with new um, new ideas. So
1: yeah, for sure, for sure. I think that's why people also say culture eats strategy for breakfast. So these cultures are so hard to break, and you won't have that shift until the leader at the top has that mindset shift or weeds out this overgeneralized to a rules? because most of the time they are not aware of it until you challenge it.
0: Absolutely. Um, well, maybe as we finish off, we only have a few more minutes. Um, sure. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about performance management and and what, what um, leaders could take away from your book in terms of how to better... Uh, manage the the performance side of leading their people.
1: Mm. I think performance side, I think this um, ties in quite nicely with the reform coaching model as well, because the third step is to renew the identity. And when we talk about performance management, if line managers look at what is their identity in this relationship, is there a power difference? How much is that power difference? What is my role here? It's my role to tell you what you need to do and your role is to fulfill my criteria. The criteria that I set for you, that I impose on you. Then that's one identity. Right now with diverse range, of diverse ages in the workforce, five generations, the seek for meaning and purpose is important. So like what you said, earlier, why am I spending so much time doing these things when I don't have work to do right now, you know? So meaningful usage of time is getting important. And of course, then it also impacts performance management. What is the kind of work that I would like to do? What what are the type of, what's the scope that I want to be involved in so that I can be at my best, so that I can leverage my strengths, and so that I can reach that stage of self-actualization, So knowing what the identity of the line manager is, I think that's really important. Personally, for me, I would love line managers to embrace the identity of a coach or a facilitator, you know, or you are an enabler. So whatever name you call it, it is helping others succeed because I think leadership, again, I'm very influenced by Dr. John Maxwell, leaders create more leaders. We want people to perform at their best. We don't want to put them in in, in, in pigeonholes. So the identity part is really important. And it also ties in nicely with the fourth step to rebuild the capabilities. If I know what are the aspirations of the people who I lead or who I serve, how am I going to help them develop those capabilities? Do I, I need to know how people learn, right? Which means I need to know their learning style, which means I need to spend time with them, right? To understand them. They, I need to employ a wide range of uh, skills myself. Am I going to coach them? Am I going to mentor them? Am I going to sit beside them and give them advice and, and give them instructional advice? Because certain skills are built that way by giving clear instructions. How about sending them to, you know, cause and then out there, there are so many types of causes. How do you identify the ones that will really give them that payoff, you know, when they invest their time in it? So develop, rebuilding the skills, even the skills of listening. I think those are really important because you, if you're working, say in the front line, you're working with customers, hearing their pains, hearing what they want is probably one of those really important pieces, um, And right now, I think listening alone can create the high payoff that a lot of leaders want. Because when people feel heard, everyone seeks to be understood. You know, and sometimes in in coaching, the best, the highest value that clients get is to be heard and understood and not be judged, you know. And this is something that, um, it's a skill that can be rebuilt quite easily, I would say. So that, those... Those things will help us with people management, performance management, with uh, looking at what is identity, what's the role you play here? And then how do you develop those skills in yourself and also in your in your team to help them get to where they want to be?
0: Wonderful, I completely agree. I think those are some great insights. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Uh, it, we don't have enough time. I would love to continue this conversation. So perhaps I can have you back uh, again in the future and we can uh, talk about related issues. Uh, I would really enjoy that if you're willing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll be very happy to share more.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you. Um, Before we close, I just want to give you a chance to share with the listeners um, where they can go to find out more about you and your coaching business. Um, Can you share a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Sure. So a lot of, uh, most of the stuff are on my website. So my company is called A-Sense. A-C-E-S-E-N-C-E. So on a you will be able to find information about the book. The book is now available worldwide, so you can get it in both print and uh, digital copies. The audiobook is coming as well. And if you go to a slash agility book, it's, it's pretty long, but I will give the URL to Jonathan to to put it below. Then you will be able to find all the links where you can purchase the book. Uh, I strongly uh, suggest that, I uh, strongly encourage that uh, everyone grabs a copy because I've also started a series called Agile Leaders Conversations just launched this week. It's been so encouraging. A lot of these people who I connect with, their industry leaders and they were strangers. So they read my book And it was, they found it useful. I just want a useful book, you know. And they said that it was easy to read, the stories were relatable, it helped them start reflecting on their own leadership being and practice and gave them this motivation to think, oh, what would I do if I I had that situation again? And one of them even said, this book, uh, if he had read it 10 years ago, he wouldn't have made a lot of mistakes. You know, and so you can find those interviews on asense.com slash blog as well. Lots of insights um, from different perspectives. I got a CEO there, I got a HR practitioner, I got got an information security officer there as well. And in the coming few weeks, there will be even more of these real stories, real insights, you know, from what people get when they read the book. So I strongly encourage you to uh, grab a copy and let me know how you think about it.
0: Great. Well, thank you. And, and I encourage my listeners to reach out, um, to l- look up your website, connect with you on LinkedIn, uh, yes. and see, see if, if there's an opportunity to, to uh, have you help uh, them in the work that they're doing.
1: Yeah, so, yeah absolutely happy to do that.
0: Yeah, great. Well, thank you again for joining us. Uh, I hope you uh, stay healthy. I hope you have a great week. And uh, I look forward to talking with you again soon.